0: Tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture. Sure, sure, sure. You're listening to Pulse Radio.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the Pulse Radio podcast on today. And it's gonna be a super special edition because we're official. We're gonna get into politics real quick. And we're gonna be speaking with Mr. Cedric Richmond, the senior advisor to the president and director of the White House Office of Public Engagement. And we're gonna confront misinformation surrounding the Biden administration and the allocation of HBCU funding. And trust me, you're not going to miss this because we're going to really get into it. Because one thing about me is that I really dislike misinformation. All right. And I believe that it's all of our duty to make sure that when we see misinformation, that we combat it. Because these aren't just little white lies anymore. These lies and fake stories, fake news, and misinformation has the power to harm people. We've seen it with the spread of misinformation around the COVID vaccine and around COVID. But now we're just saying just the wrong stuff about HBCU funding from the Biden administration. A couple of weeks ago, you had a couple of websites, some of them were verified websites, that reported that the HBCU allocation of funding that President Biden promised, which was $45 billion, was cut to $2 billion in the president's Build Back Better plan. And people were calling foul on that, saying, see, President Biden don't care about no HBCUs. He just did that to get our vote. But they don't understand politics. it has been a lot of congressional infighting, and although the Democrats control the House and the Senate, you have senators such as Joe Mnuchin and Sinema, They oppose anything that the Democrats put up. And they don't like that big trillion dollar number. They want to work that number down. So they were like, hey, take some stuff out and work the number down and then we might vote for it. So because of that, the Biden administration, they had to cut down the money in the whole entire proposal. And HBCU funding also took a dip. So people were hopping on that, and it was just totally erroneous talking points. A lot of folks were trying to say that Donald Trump did more for HBCUs, which is flagrantly false. And they're not looking at the fact that the Biden administration has done a lot for HBCUs. The American Rescue Plan provided $3.7 billion in funding to HBCUs. The Department of Education provided $1.6 billion in HBCU capital financing for debt relief. And then the Department of Education awarded grant funding of $500 million to HBCUs. So it's not just, oh, Vice President Kamala Harris went to Howard and she's VP. It's not just that. This administration might not be as loud and bombastic as the Trump administration, but they're working for HBCUs. You can have your criticism, and we all do. We all want more, but... We have to speak on the facts. And even in our critiques, they can be harsh. They can be pointed. But they have to be rooted in some level of fact because it's dangerous. So that's why I really wanted to reach out to the White House and speak with an official about this bill. And we got a chance to get a high-ranking official in the White House, Mr. Cedric Richmond. He's the senior advisor to the president and the director of the White House Office of Public Engagement. And he is invested in HBCUs as a 1995 graduate of Morehouse College. He's been all around the HBCU outlets and in the media. He was just on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show last week, speaking about the misinformation surrounding the Biden administration's HBCU agenda. So we had the opportunity to speak with Mr. Richmond, and I brought on our post-political correspondent, Tierra Thomas. She is a senior political science major at Tennessee State University. And she also serves as the student trustee for Tennessee State. And they deal a lot with what's going on in the inner workers of higher education, with budget allocation, funding for HBCUs. So Tierra was the perfect person to tag in. And we had a chance to speak with Mr. Richmond about what's going on with HBCU funding and what the Biden administration's plans are. Because I think what people need to hear is the plans from officials themselves instead of just hearsay or just, hey, we think. They need to actually hear it so we can register. So I appreciate Mr. Richmond for coming on and answering our questions. And here's the interview. You're listening to Pulse Radio.
0: From the shade room to your news feed, we brag different. You're locked into AHBCU Pulse, now trending worldwide.
1: Mr. Richmond. Hey. How are you all? How you doing? I'm pretty good. In between uh, a couple of things, but wanted to make sure that we stopped in here for a little while. Totally understand. Totally understand. First of all, thank you for just coming here and just giving us clarification about everything that's going on. So I know you have, have a limited amount of time, so I want to go on and kick off the interview by asking you about this. So you're a 1995 graduate of Morehouse College. So how has your HBCU experience shaped your approach to politics? Well, you know,
2: I joke about HBCUs all the time. It teaches you some amazing stuff. One, it teaches you patience, because if you ever had to wait in the financial aid line, you know it's going to be hours long. If you ever had to register for classes, you know it's going to take forever and it's not going to be right the first or second time. Uh, But the the serious part of it is that it really teaches you um, what family is about, and it pushes you because you know you have to be twice as good. You have to work twice as hard. You have to do all of those things, but you're not a number at an HBCU. You're a person, and so when you need a hug, the school will give you a hug, and when you need a kick in the rear end, it's going to give you a kick in the rear end. And so, uh, for me, I always felt that the teachers at HBCUs were vested in me. I mean, they actually cared who, you know, my parents were, how I was doing, and it's just a uh, it's a great experience. But my mo- my mother and father both went to HBCUs and on my dad's side, his mother and father both went to uh, HBCUs. So we we know how, how important it is. And it's the great equalizer. My mother is probably from the poorest uh, family in Louisiana. She was from the poorest town with 15 brothers and sisters. My dad was from Mississippi and they were wealthy. They met at Southern University where he went as a freshman with a brand new car and she went with a used jacket and But they graduated uh, the same year. Well, she always corrects me. He had to go to summer school, so she technically graduated first. Um, But that's what HBCU, uh, that's what it did. And so it took her uh, from being a poor black woman uh, from the poorest place in uh, America, and it put on a level playing field. And she started a business, she was a teacher, she did all of those incredible things, and it's because of an HBCU. And so that's why Uh, we're investing in HBCUs because they have a unique role, scope, and mission, and it's one that no other university can fulfill.
1: I totally agree. And I think that that's a great segue into, you know, Tierra's questions because the HBCU experience is so important and we have to make sure we're funding HBCUs. So I want to toss Tierra for for her to ask Mm -hmm. you questions about what's going on. Absolutely.
0: Hello, Mr. Richmond. How are you?
1: I am doing well.
0: I am Tierra Thomas. I'm a senior political science major, and I attend Tennessee State University. So we know there's a lot of miscommunication, misinformation surrounding the Biden administration's proposal for HBCU funding. Can you give us a little clarity on what's actually going on with that? We talked about it a little, but we would love to hear it from you.
2: Well, yeah, let me give you the the entire background. So when we came in, uh, HBCUs were still dealing with the pandemic and still uh you know, in a very fragile position. So in our American Rescue Plan, we gave them $4.2 billion. Uh, we gave them 2.6 in uh, cash to help them with their financial situations, and then we gave them another $1.6 billion in in uh, capital finance uh, relief for their uh, investments, loans that they took out to uh, build the campuses or rebuild on the campus. So that was a total of 4.2. And then the Department of Education gave uh, them through grants another five hundred um, million dollars, so right around four point seven billion just this year. Now, to to understand how significant that is, the federal government usually gives HBCUs somewhere around eight hundred million dollars a year, and so that four point seven is almost four or five times that seven hundred or eight hundred million that they normally get. Now, we still put in our budget uh money for hbcus and we plussed it up i think another two 240 million dollars and so that's that's what's there that's what's fact and the president because he understands how important hbcus are said that if we're going to come with build back better we have to build uh we have to come back better than we were before and that means investing in hbcus who for so long have done more with less now it's time for them to do more with more. And they shouldn't have to do more with less. So his goal was to put $40 billion into higher education, $20 billion of which would be set aside or targeted towards HBCUs spread over, I think it was 10 years, so about $2 billion a, a year. So that's the proposal we we put out there, because that's what we want. And that was when the bill was somewhere around $6 trillion. Then it got cut to about $3.5 trillion, And now Congress is somewhere around $2 trillion. So we don't know what that final number is going to be, but this is money over and above any investment that HBCUs have ever had. We don't want it cut that significantly, but when you when the bill goes from six to two, uh, there are going to be some haircuts. But we're going to still have, in my prediction, and because it's the president's desire, my prediction is it's still going to have robust new funding for HBCUs in it, and they will compete with uh, they'll compete like-kind school for grant money. But we're not going to leave HBCUs out there uh, hanging. It's just not going to happen. And if you look at all the things we've done that I didn't talk about, whether it was our White House initiative on HBCUs and all of those things, we have tasked the entire federal government to figure out ways to use and help HBCUs more HBCUs more. So if you look at all of the research dollars that come out of of the federal government, we say, look, all you big universities, that's fine with a billion dollar endowments and all of that stuff. But when you come apply for this, these federal grants and research dollars, bring an HBCU with you, bring an MSI with you. And so we're going to make sure that we build capacity at these institutions so that they don't have to partner with people. They could do it on their own. And, you know, Morehouse has a medical school. Meharry has a medical school. Uh, you have a whole bunch of colleges that do uh, research. And then you look at our AM colleges who should be leading the way in agricultural uh, research and development. So that's how we think about it. So HBCUs are important. It's unfortunate that the narrative got out there, but I think it got out there for a particular and specific reason. And that was to... Uh, you know, really disappoint and persuade young black people that the government doesn't care about um, their futures or their institutions, and that's just not true. But you know, it comes right around the time of a Virginia governor's race, so it's not hard to figure out why and how people push out lies. And, And so I just wanted to come on and just, you know, as best I can, give you the facts.
0: Thank you. One last question as far as the um, HBCU funding goes. So we all know on this call that HBCUs were built for a unique unique reason that serve a unique population of people. So under this proposal, I know that the funding will be available through competitive grants for, like you said, HBCUs, MSIs, and others. Um, why specifically are HBCUs grouped with other universities, such as MSIs and um, other universities, instead of having its own specific pool of funding. I think um, most people, they agree that this is the most money we've ever been given from any other president, Mm -hmm. but we're still looking for that individuality and that recognition of being a unique group of universities. So how do you respond to grouping HBCUs also through competitive grants with other universities.
2: And some of the portions we give money straight to HBCUs is not competitive grant. When this uh, idea was created, it was to have 40 billion out there and then take 20 billion or take half of it and push over to HBCUs to compete with like kind schools, which is what the HBCUs wanted because they figured that competing against other like kind schools that they're gonna get their lion's share. And the HBCU family is okay with that. But we have to make sure that they're competing against like kind schools. You don't want any of our HBCUs going up against a Harvard or Stanford with a billion dollars worth of endowment and facilities and buildings that have already been built up through investment. This is to level that playing field and give the schools the ability uh, to do that. Look, you know, doesn't give me great joy, but it's a fact. My high school science lab was better than my science lab at Morehouse. However, uh, Morehouse still produces great doctors, great scientists and engineers, but the facilities were crap. And so what we want to do is make sure that those facilities are state of the art. Then all of a sudden, you never know. We may have uh, the next Morehouse or Howard or Jackson State or Tougaloo, Tuskegee, Xavier, Dillard, Grambling. doesn't matter. We may have one of them as the next person with groundbreaking uh, research on cancer. So, you know, that's what we want to do, and it's important. But we followed the HBCU lead, and we're trying to figure out ways to make sure that the money we intend to get to HBCUs will, in fact, get to HBCUs, because that's what we intended in the first place.
0: Well, thank you. So if you ever need a student on an advisory committee, you have my Instagram. I'll be more than willing. (laughs) To give you some insight on how we think and what we need. Of course, you know, as an HBCU graduate, that we are in unique position. So I thank you. And I ask that, you know, the Biden administration continue to preserve HBCUs, continue to put us on the forefront. Because in this midst of this world and the climate of racial tensions, there are so many people looking to denounce the relevance of our amazing and illustrious institutions. So thank you. On um, behalf of the HBC world for talking to us and clarifying this and continue to um, move our universities forward.
2: Well, thank you. And i just give you a warning that I have uh, snatched people off of uh, social media platforms before and put them in positions where they have to go do some uh, work, but more importantly, have some real input. And uh, that's what we want. We don't want people just for output. We want their input too. And living the experience that you live, being there currently, that uh, important to us well I appreciate that I'll be
0: looking forward to a DM from you very soon
1: yeah and, <laughs> and, and, and I, I have to say this she is the she's the student trustee at Tennessee State University so yeah you have the right person you guys did have Dr. Glover the president of Tennessee State up there so I'm just saying you know it's a connect there somewhere well uh,
2: she's the she's the vice chair of the uh, initiative now so uh, so she's she's representing she's representing uh, in a great way. And then uh, I lean on Dr. Kimbrough a lot because I think he's one of the uh, the best uh, HBCU presidents out there. And I think that he uh, he describes what HBCUs mean probably better than anybody. And, you you know, so many people try to say, oh, let's compare, you know, let's say Southern University to LSU. They're right down the street. They're both colleges. Well, you can't do that. Uh, LSU's admissions criteria is so high that they're getting students that are already doing well. And our HBCUs, that's not their role. Their role is to go take the diamond and a rough and polish them into a diamond. If you're already getting a diamond, you shouldn't get any extra credit for producing a diamond. That's what That's what you got. And so, you know, let's look at what comes in and then let's look at what comes out. And if you take that as the measurement, then the machine and factory of a HBCU uh, will take a raw product and turn it into uh, a fine commodity that's unmatched, and that's why we have to continue to invest
1: in them. One last question: In getting, you know, the Build Back Better plan passed, and also with you know HBCU funding, like how do you navigate, you know, partisan lines? Because it seems mm-hmm. as if to a lot of people that was really holding it up is that the Democrats can't can't come to an agreement. So how do you navigate partisan lines in getting this passed?
2: Look, it's our agenda. We have enough Democrats to pass it on our own. We passed it, uh, we're gonna pass it out of the House. And so we're fighting in the Senate. We need two more votes in that cinema and mansion. And we're working them every day trying to get there. But this is unacceptable that we don't pass this and do something for uh, communities, not only HBCUs, but think about what else this bill has in it. The child tax credit that lifts 50 percent of children, of black children out of poverty in one year, lifts 34 percent of black families out of poverty in one year. And so what they are holding up is a lot more significant uh, than I think that many people realize, because you're talking about removing lead pipes from all homes in this country. You're talking about investing in broadband. You're talking about uh, expanding health care, all of those things that really impact. Um, The black community, whether it's pre-K, free pre-K at three and four year olds, child care uh, relief. So nobody's paying more than seven percent of their income in child care. Those things affect black families. And more importantly, they allow black families upward mobility because now you can go to work and not worry about the exorbitant health care that you're paying. And so uh, it's important. We want it. Uh, We're not going to accept not getting it. And then the other thing that's important, and I want the HBCU community to talk about and fight alongside us is voting rights. We need to make sure that we are doing things to combat this legislation. So you're going to see us continuing to push on getting the uh, voting rights bills passed and to the president's desk. So, look, we got a lot of things on our plate. But, you know, one of the things the HBCU will teach you is you can juggle a whole bunch of balls at one time. And so, um, you know, we're going to get it done.
1: I appreciate it. So I know you're super busy, Mr. Richmond. I appreciate you for coming on. Just thank you for the clarity. You got it. Thanks a lot. I thank you so much. Thank you.
0: HBCU
1: they know just we Post Radio. All right, that, that, that was great. That was great. So I want so I want to ask you this here. So what did you think about the interview and the information that we just got?
0: I think the information was very important. It was needed. Um, You know, like we said, some people don't have the resource, don't know where to find the resources to get the clarity, to get the right information. So being able to have it straight from the horse of the horse's mouth, you know, I think that did this audience justice. You know, I think you can't get any closer to the truth than what we got today. So I'm very appreciative of that.
1: I think this is a very important interview, and I appreciate just to the Biden administration and Mr. Richmond for reaching out not only to us at HBCU Post, but also going to where, like, the younger people are, you know, because sometimes we're not – I'm on TV, watch CNN. I'm standing in front of it. That's just what I do. I'm a media guy. But people are on the move. It's homecoming. You know, right. like people outside, like they're, they're on their phones, like they might be sitting down, you know, in the student center and they might see this. They might watch this. So you have to go where people are, especially what people in our generation are. So I think Absolutely. that him going to watch the yard, HBCU buzz and and, and popping up on, on these social media platforms and then going to you know shows such as Ricky Smiley's morning show. Like this is where we are and this is how we're consuming information. So I think that the way that they're combating this misinformation is perfect. So I really appreciate you know just this effort that they put up. But outside of this, Tierra, you did an amazing job. You shot your shot. You saw me try to try to give you the assist. Then I, just, I gave you the assist. You know, you saw that. No, I'm not gonna pass up a little
0: networking opportunity.
1: Might as well, man. Might, <laughs> might as well. Got to got to build the resume. It's already stacked. But that White House resume, that stamp. You know what I mean? Like that. Like that's that's something else. And I gotta say this too. Shout out to the White House Initiative on HBCUs. I was an HBCU All-Star Ambassador for the initiative in 2017 before they changed it to a Scholar, Scholars for HBCU Competitiveness. So when he said that, it just made me light up because, you know, being a White House HBCU All-Star, it enhanced my, my HBCU experience. It's some of the reason why we're here now with HBCU Pulse, and it brought me a lot of amazing opportunities. So shout out to the White House Initiative for HBCUs. But outside of that, Tierra, where can we find you on social media?
0: Always find me here at T Thomas with four S's and two underscores. And it's been great.
1: But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Tiara. Thank you. HBCUs are more than a
0: trend. We're forever a part of the culture. We, we can, can
1: show, show you better, you better than, than we can, can tell,
0: tell you. you. A Queen series and HBCU Pulse has you on lock. From royal court to Greek life, sports and campaigns to graduation, we, we are, are the, the number, number one outlet, outlet for HBCU, HBCU, students. HBCU students. Make sure to tap in and learn more at HBCUPulse.com.